Welcome to another episode of Demystifying Gay Porn. My name is I.K. Grande, and if you watch gay porn, I've definitely helped you get off. Before I go into today, today's episode, I get a lot of emails from listeners, uh, which I enjoy, which I love, because uh, it means people are listening. A lot of times I, I get you know uh, people telling me how I should do something better. It runs the gambit. But the emails that I really do enjoy are the ones where Listeners tell me about certain fetishes or certain kinks that they get into, and they're willing to come on uh, the the podcast and talk to me about it. So I got an email about two weeks ago, and I developed a conversation via email with um, a listener named Carl. Carl is, for lack of better words, uh, addicted to cum. Yeah. Would yeah. that that would be the best way to describe it, right, Carl? Yes. Okay. So, Carl, uh, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for being on. I appreciate it. My pleasure. So let's let's dive right into it. When I got your email, it was interesting to me because I'm working on a video for YouTube regarding uh, come, basically. When you and I were exchanging emails, we got into the 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 idea that uh, or the, the fact that come became a fetish after a certain point. So, um. Tell me a little bit about this taboo and when it started. I'm not exactly sure when it started, but I started being honest with myself about what it was uh, a couple years ago. Um, and what it came out of was the whole top-bottom dynamic. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, my own personal journey is probably pretty typical that I started out and with gay sex being a top and over time I think from watching porn I always would look I would focus on the bottom guys or the woman getting fucked and focus more on them and so personally I started bottoming more uh, trying it and then enjoying it and then mostly became interested in being fucked and being cummed in you are carl you identify as gay yes okay so you're you're a gay man who like like the most of us or like the rest of us uh or a good amount of us grew up watching straight porn before right. before we got our hands on gay porn right when did you start when did you become sexually active pretty young um but uh i started actively having gay sex uh, pretty late. Um, I was very, very closeted. Uh, I did not grow up in a metropolitan area, so I didn't have gay friends or a gay community and certainly um, no gay role models and, and definitely no uh, gay sexual role models. So I didn't start uh, fucking until mid-20s. Okay, so you're mid-20s, uh, but uh, you had sex with girls. Never. I'm gold star. Oh, really? Okay. Good for you. <laughs> Good for you not not dipping your toes in the water, right? Um, I tried. I mean, you know, I think like most most uh, kids my age, um, you know, I tried to deny it for a long time and I tried to have girlfriends, but I could never even get my body to fake it. Hmm. Um, I love women, but I don't love women sexually. Yeah. No, I feel you. Um when you did have your first experience, uh, what was that like? 
Because everybody oh. remembers their first experience. I'm sure. I'm pretty sure it's very first. Yeah, well, your first experience with a man. My very first experience with a guy was my brother teaching me how to masturbate. Okay, but that could be a whole other episode, maybe. Oh, that's a whole other episode. And I love it. <laughs> I had chances, uh, like in in Boy Scouts and things like that, and I was just too terrified of it. Uh, in college, I had a couple guys come on to me, um, and I was just too much in denial and fear. I didn't want, you know, as much as I wanted to. I felt like if I committed to that, that would make me gay, and there was all this stigma and shame involved in that. You know, I'm I'm uh, an older guy, so uh, it's I'm happy that it's different now than it was back then, but. It was a lot tougher back then. Also, when I first, and this is where we're going to go, I think, but when I first started having sex with men, uh, the AIDS epidemic was just starting to explode. And so besides everything else that comes with having sex with, uh, you know, being homosexual, um, the risk became a factor. Before we jump into that part, uh, I, I want to ask you uh, if you remember the first time you saw cum or the first time you ejaculated. I clearly remember the first time I ejaculated. Was it the first time you jerked off? or? Yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't jerking. I had like a different technique. Um, <laughs> I didn't even know what jerking off was. I just like uh, created enough friction uh, that um, I had an orgasm and I, I was terrified. Uh, I didn't know what it was. I was pretty young, um, and I remember running downstairs to the bathroom to see what had happened. Huh. Okay. So it was even like clothes on, not your traditional. Uh, if you'd say pants down, my pants were down. Okay, so your pants. Were I down. mean, I put my pants on to run downstairs to the bathroom, I, but. Yeah. What did you, um, what was that like? I don't know. What's it? Probably the same as for every guy when they, I mean, I think I remember thinking I'm never going to do that again. And then like 10 minutes later, I was at it, you know, like every guy. I'll share my story with you. Um, because you were, uh, generous enough to share your story. Uh, the first time I did it, I didn't come. Uh, and I jerked off. I was, I didn't, I didn't realize what I was doing, but I was, I got a hold of my father's, uh, his dirty rags that he kept in a, a cabinet somewhere in the basement. And, um, yeah, I just, you know, there were pictures and I just started touching myself and, um, there was this feeling that I'd never felt before. And the reason why I specifically remember that is because. I kept trying to keep going and it hurt. Like I kept trying to jerk off after climaxing. Oh, and I couldn't. So then I was like, wow, that's different. So that was my first experience. And I didn't, I didn't come the first time. So you climaxed, but you didn't come. Yeah. Yeah. Second time. Were you too young to like physically do that? I think I was like 13. Huh? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I was 13 um could have been 12 and uh it was 
it was interesting. The next night, the very next night, I did the same thing with the same uh, magazine, and I was able to, and I was able to come. That was the first time. Uh, when you watched gay porn for the first time, do you remember when that was? No. No? Did you, but you've seen porn from like the 70s and 80s and stuff, pre-condom. Yes. The reason why I bring that up is because, and we're, we're going to jump a little bit, but uh, the research that I had been doing for this one video on cum addiction specifically mentions how cum and the idea of porn, gay porn, specifically bareback gay porn, started kind of focusing more on breeding and uh, loading up and everything in the late 90s, the 2000s, and then now that's all people think about. That's all you hear is load me up, you know. So I bring that up because um, the 70s and 80s porn, people were watching porn, but it wasn't specifically about loading anybody up or anything. You know, cum shots were there, but they just weren't the emphasis. I think the fact, the mere fact that two men were having sex was, was kind of like, okay, well, yeah, people are going to be excited about that. Oh yeah. When, when the AIDS epidemic and the HIV AIDS epidemic happened, how old were you? If you don't mind me asking. I remember becoming aware of it in early college. Um, so it probably started happening while I was in high school, but I would, you know, I'm from a somewhat rural area. Um, so it was never, uh, you know, it's probably like COVID. The people in the country thought it could never hit them. Um, and luckily, you know, I went to college in a very, very rural area and that might've kept me alive. I was going to say, do you think being in a certain part of the country oh yeah oh if i had gone to college in a big city i mean i you know i i topped exclusively for a really long time that would have helped but um i think because i went to school in a place that was so isolated uh it it stunted my growth as you know coming out or being a gay man but in retrospect uh, you know, it's a little sad, but also it might have kept me alive. Yeah. And it's, you know, um, not to say that you were going to go out and be a whore or anything like that. It's just uh, that was what was happening at the time. Oh, you ha- you could have had sex with one person or 200 people and you would have had the same outcome. Nobody knew. I mean, I, you know, I, I was in high school in the late 70s and went to college in the late 70s, early 80s. So that's ground zero. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I remember them just not knowing. And I remember, I don't know if I actually remember or if I read about it and then remember, you know, they thought it was poppers. They thought poppers caused it. Mm -hmm. You know, all they just sort of like COVID. They, you know, this is all the similarities with what is it? How do you get it? How is it transmitted? All of that is very, very similar. Hmm. Interesting. And then the whole politics, politics of a mask. I mean, I've had screaming fights with people that a mask is a lot easier than a condom. So put it on. 
I'm assuming you were you were closeted still through the 80s as well. Uh, I was not sexually active all through college. Um, you know, maybe like <clears throat> no fucking, definitely no fucking. Um, and it was after I got out of college, um, had my first full on like naked kissing, sucking, fucking. So after college, yeah. did HIV AIDS, did that pandemic keep you further away from being as sexually active as sexually active as you wanted to be? I was aware of it, but it was so removed from my day-to-day -day life that I didn't think it would ever touch me. Okay. So it so, wasn't really a factor as shame was more of a factor. You know, being, being closeted and being ashamed was more of a factor than that it was a health risk. So you, but you were still, you were still going out and, you know, like hooking up with guys or talking to no, no, okay. No, I was shut down. When did when did that pick pick up again? When did you start uh, thinking, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm well, going to meet up with guys. Know, uh, if I get ahead, stop me. But uh, a guy, a coworker, <clears throat> a, a guy, a, a coworker had just moved to my area from California. Kind of your classic, uh, laid back, chill sexy California guy who was out, uh, not flamboyant out, but just he was without shame or apology about being gay. And mm -hmm. we ended up becoming friends and I ended up fucking him. And we did that a few times. In your email, you mentioned um, meeting somebody and bottoming for somebody who uh, turned out to be positive, HIV positive. No, that was him and I topped. Oh, so you topped, okay. When you did do that, was there, was it safe? Was it protected? No, no I didn't, I didn't even, I don't think I had ever even bought a condom in my life. I wasn't fucking women, so I wasn't gonna, you know, I wasn't your classic teenager with a condom in his wallet. <clears throat> and so uh, I, uh, I, I remember it clearly. We uh, started messing around in my living room. We went into the bedroom. Uh, I started fucking him and uh, came inside of him. And I thought it was just the hottest thing in the world. Um, and about a couple months later, his partner died. And... Um, I remember we went out to eat and, you know, I didn't even have a vocabulary. So if I say words that, if I say words now that are incorrect, it's because I'm using the words that I used back then. And I've learned that there's a better vocabulary for what to say. But I remember saying to him, um, did he die of AIDS? And he said, yes. And I said to him, does that mean you have AIDS? And he said, yes, I do. And I remember saying, well, why didn't you tell me? And he said, because it's your responsibility to ask. Huh. Interesting. What did that, what did that make you feel? Uh, I felt like the bottom dropped out. And at that point, I don't know if 
Uh, medically, they knew whether, you know, tops have a much, much lower um, risk factor. I don't think, I didn't know that back then. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people did. I think it was just, you know, um, uh, condoms, condoms, condoms. Uh, yeah. That's the best way to have safe sex. Uh, I, I think it was more the late 2000s when people could, I, you know, I could be, I could be off on this, but um, when people were a little more open to, I can top and, you know, I'm, I'm less at risk than, than a bottom is. Yeah, I think that was much later, but uh, I mean, because I remember seeing, uh, you know, we're talking about in porn, the <clears throat> Ken Stryker, Jeff Stryker, uh, Ryan Idle, uh, and I remember seeing a scene where uh, the top um, was going to fuck this twink bottom, and he like took a cream and put it up the bottom's ass and said, we got to be safe, and then fucked him bareback. I mean, they just didn't know. That, that's interesting. I'm curious as, <laughs> as to what that was, what cream that was. I can sort of remember it was like a little uh, plastic, um, not a syringe per se, but it was like a syringe. You know, he inserted it in the bottom's ass and pressed a plunger and it was like a cream. <laughs> and he said, we got to be safe. So there already was a mentality in porn of this is risky. Yes. Okay. Getting back to this friend of yours. Yep. Did you have sex with him again after? No. I didn't have sex with anyone for a decade. F from the point of having sex with that, this guy who did not tell you he was... He didn't even... He wasn't even HIV positive. He, was, he had AIDS, he said, right? He was HIV positive. So he was HIV positive. Okay. Um... So 10 years after you've had sex with this guy was the first time you had sex again. Why, why do you think that was? I shut down. I just shut down. Was it frightening? Yeah. Did you, did you think to get tested? Did you think to? I was afraid to. Okay. So every time I got a cold, every time I bumped my knee and got a bruise, like I thought this is it. Wow. Yeah. What what year is that putting us into? Ten years after? Uh, I'm not good with dates like this. Uh, I would say 82, 90, early 90s, early mid 90s. So you didn't have sex again until the early mid 90s? I was in my 30s at that point. Okay. I know your head is racing. It's a, it's a well, yeah, lot. Um, it's a lot. I'm, I know. Yeah, no, it is. And it, it's all fascinating because it's a different, you know, I'm, I was around in the eighties uh, and the nineties and I know how information was uh, trickled down even while I was in high school and yeah, kissing and so many different things were, you just got to be careful. You never know what you're going to get and, you know, stuff like that. So I can't even imagine how you must have felt to have this guy not, well, to withhold information from you. 
you know, and it's, it's also a different time nowadays. Yeah. There is a responsibility if you are HIV positive, uh, to tell someone, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think he was right. I don't think it, I don't think he did the right thing, but I think as far as responsibility goes, he's right. You want to know if if you got a question, you have to ask it. Understandable. I was so naive about that. Like I didn't know that. I, I agree. And I disagree to an extent. Me, me too. <laughs> I, I think that there is, um, you know, that's a different time. Uh, you know, there's, there's no... You did not live with, you died from. Yeah. Yeah, so... It's just, that's, that's a, a tough pill to swallow. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it's a lot. Even for me, even for me listening to it, because with medication and stuff, it's so different nowadays where... Even if you have somebody that is positive and undetectable, the chances of, of spreading the virus are so low to none, to, to nothing, that I can't even begin to think that 20, 25 years ago, somebody would just withhold that information. I get it. I understand. Very different time. Did you ever keep up with him? Did you ever? He's still alive. Yeah, we're friends on Facebook. Okay, so your friends on Facebook. Now. He's like a medical miracle. He's still he's back in California and alive and well. Okay. Again, at a time with no medication, so yes, he is a medical miracle. Oh yeah, he's a miracle. Okay, is he on medication now? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I don't think. Uh, I mean, I don't. You know, I. I don't know why he didn't tell me. Um, maybe he was scared too. Maybe he was ashamed. I, you know, I was probably kind of a conquest because I was so naive and, you know, it would almost be like seducing a straight guy. Like, yeah. And things happen, you know, I'm sure it was passionate. I'm sure there was like in the heat of the moment and stuff. Um, and back then, if someone said, uh, I mean, now they're, you know, the whole, and this is where we're going to go, the whole Posnag dynamic. But back then it was a deal breaker. Yeah, we were, not, we would not even, have had sex. You're absolutely right. Going to the positive neg or pause neg. You had mentioned the exchange of energy of having a guy come inside of you. Yeah. Before we get there, is it your do you get excited by the idea of yourself coming inside of somebody or just coming in general yes but nowhere near as much as my making sure my partner comes so when when did this when did this develop like when did you real oh like you know this is what i like i like i like come i like guys to come inside of me i like like how did that form uh, I think from watching porn, uh, okay. and and you know, uh, seeing the money shot and seeing how much pleasure the top was getting, and knowing that as a bottom, I was giving them that pleasure, and that I was making them. I didn't get that. Could you try again? I'm sorry, my Alexa's crazy. <laughs> sorry about that. Sorry. It's the second one uh, she's made an appearance on. Uh, when you were watching porn, yeah. 
I'm assuming it's condom porn at this at the time that you were you were watching this. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I like I mentioned, I I remember pre condom porn. I remember before you know this is before fucking became politicized, um, and then I remember them toying with condoms, and then it was condoms only. Um, every now and then you'd see kind of an edgy, I can't remember the porn star's name, a really hot guy with a Polish name, very burly, muscular, bearish, hot muscle bear guy. And he, when he would top, he would tease the bottom's ass with his cock before he put the condom on. And I would always just like really hope that we would get, you know, a quarter inch in, uh, Mm. But of uh, and he probably did, but they were, I'm sure it got edited out. Do you remember your first bareback porn? Post AIDS. Yes. Uh, no. no. But I remember uh, as soon as bareback, you know, it wasn't even called bare. And we we talked about this. It wasn't even called bareback until it became a choice. Mm-hmm. Um before it was just sex before AIDS it was just sex and then because of AIDS you wore a condom uh I didn't know and well me in that one time but I don't know people I didn't know guys who fucked bareback at that point at the height of uh the epidemic but then um you wore condoms but I, uh, so I don't remember when it became bareback. There were a couple of studios in the late nineties that started and without, you know, I don't want to plug the studio that I'm working with now, but it's, it's just one of the things that happens, especially because of who they are. But, uh, Treasure Island, um, I think the idea of how they started was, okay, yes, there's porn, gay porn, fine, watch it with condoms and stuff, but there's a whole community of people who are positive and want to have sex too and want to make porn. And I think that's where the shift or the dynamic, like there was a dynamic shift into studios that were making this subversive even more subversive than porn is already uh, path or, or taking a, a certain path to um, to provide people with with porn post aids without condoms right. and and it became hugely successful to the surprise of so many people to the point where now you watch every single major porn studio, even the ones that banned a lot of the bareback porn studios from participating in anything. And they're, you know, they're barebacking just like everybody else with no, I mean, granted, I understand, you know, there's medicine is where it is and science is where it is with stuff, but it's, it's, that's another shift on top of that. Do they still ban certain performers? Because I remember that, you know, there were 
big studios. I don't know if I, I'm, you know, I remember like Titan wouldn't hire a model if they had done bareback porn. Do they, is there much more crossover now or are there certain bareback actors who still won't get other jobs? Well, I think, I know that it doesn't, I, I, I don't know to the extent that it doesn't exist anymore. I know that it did exist. I know that people, there were, there were studios that you could not work with a bareback porn studio. There were studios and studio directors who would make performers do like a press release saying that working with this studio was a mistake and they realizing their mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. And she's kind of, well, yeah, you're right. Um, I know. I know. Yeah. It's, it's not cool. It's, <laughs> I think, you know, look, when you look back at it, I'm pretty sure, um, all I can say about that situation, I would love to have this guest on. I know who you're talking about. I know. I also know that there were a couple performers when that they would use a different name when they yeah, when absolutely. they would uh, when they would do bareback porn. Then when and then they got outed as like, oh, that's the same guy. Yeah, like like gay people weren't watching the same porn. The best oh, part about yeah. that outing is the ones that were watching condom porn were also watching bareback porn on top of that. So it, it you know a lot of it. It's it's an interesting it's an interesting uh, well it subject. became super political and yes. and like all politics it's slow to change yeah but now you know one of the reasons why I I really did want to talk to you was because there is this culture of let's call it uh, breeding culture yeah. you know just people everybody load me up uh, breed me uh, breeders everything is just. Come, 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 basically. Uh, so you became, you you were exclusively a top who became a bottom throughout time with your partners. Yes. Okay. And every single time you bottomed, you have done it without a condom. No. Uh, in the early days, um, It was often with a condom, but also occasionally with not. And then I started realizing that if I hooked up with married guys, married to women, they don't like condoms mm. and they're natural breeders. So I was able to like find this niche of tops who were natural born breeders. Uh, and they were a little bit less risky, although I've since learned that married guys are the worst. The worst. <laughs> they, think, they think just because they do it once a year, so do you. Um, but uh, I, was, I discovered that if I could hook up with married guys, they almost never wanted to use a condom, and they really understood breeding. They didn't pull out. They, they knew what it was to breed. What was that like? How did you, how were you able to find this many married men that? Well, there weren't a lot. It was just, uh, you know, we're not talking about numbers. We're talking about averages. You know, if I, if I was going to get fucked once a month, 
it was almost always with a married guy. I would prefer to, if you gave me the choice, I'd, I'd choose the married guy. With this choice, is there any kind of, or do you fetishize that? Do you like the idea of a married guy fucking you? Yeah, because I love that their cum is really powerful and it has made kids. Very, okay. I can see that. I think it's very, that's very, very hot. Do you get any pleasure in the fact that here's a guy who's fucking a woman full time, let's say. Yeah. And whenever he turns away from her, he fucks you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you had, and you had, um, I'm assuming repeats, right? You weren't just going. No, I had one guy that I fucked, uh, through two wives and three kids. I mean, I, I, we started messing around. He was straight. Um, you know, how straight can you be? But he was straight. You can tell he was, he had not had any experience. <clears throat> he always insisted on condoms and I would work on him. And the, the, he got it. He was engaged to his first wife and back then you had to get a blood test to get your marriage license and one of the things they would test for is hiv and the day he got his marriage license he came over and fucked me bareback really yeah and did and we fucked we fucked for almost 20 years wow so you were you developed a relationship with oh yeah not a loving, not a kissy, huggy, you know, we didn't exchange Christmas cards or birthday cards, but, but, uh, there was one point when he got remarried, um, he had come in me more than he had come in his wife. Wow. That is a relationship though. Oh yeah. It's a sexual relationship. Yeah. To an extent. Not not your typical, but it is. Totally, yeah. What about your partners, like sexual partners that aren't uh, straight men nowadays? Oh, wait, no. Also, after these 10 years of of almost celibacy, right? Or or abstinence, let's say. Uh, were you like just a, a fuck machine? Like, <laughs> did you finally get tested? Yeah. When, when you could get... I remember when you were able to take your own blood and mail it, FedEx it in, um, and the anonymity of it. I got, I tested myself. How how did that feel when it came back? Well, it was a long two weeks because back then you had to wait at least two weeks. You know, you got a telephone number and you got a like a pin code, and uh, of course, you know, the minute I put it in the vial in the mail, I started calling the number. Um, every day, uh, and then finally I got the neg, you know, got back the negative result, um, and I knew that I was HIV negative. What a relief, right? After ten years. Yeah, because back then there was, you know, there wasn't. It was still pretty much a death sentence. But I kept. But I, at that point, uh. uh I chose to have risky sex after that. Yeah. So what was, yeah. What was your sex life after 
after your negative um your negative test i felt better about having bareback sex but that's a stu- you know that's a stupid sentence but i did how much bareback sex were you having around that point i broke out uh oh, so you were wild <laughs> yeah i that's when i like made up for lost time mm-hmm. what was going through your head how much I liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I felt like I, and this is why I like your podcast a lot is a lot of the men you talk to, you know, there's two, there, there's the kind of guys that you talk to who feel judged and all that. And they want to be the guy that's not judged. But then you talk to certain guys who just don't give a fuck and they love sex. And, uh, it's they're beyond judgment and i like that um yeah i i you know it's i wish everybody would get to that point um and it's hard even i i've i've literally been on set and seen almost everything and there are still stuff that i you know like i i i I attribute it to my (laughs) my former catholic upbringing uh so it's it's a little of the catholic guilt where, where sometimes yeah i still there are times where I still, as they would say, clutch my pearls and say, well, I can't do that, you know? But as I get older... What makes you clutch your pearls? Because <laughs> you've pretty much seen it all. In the beginning of my career in porn, I would call myself like the Walt Disney of gay porn. But then I realized what a dick Walt Disney was. So that comparison wasn't really that great. I was working for a company that went condom to bareback while I was working there. And I remember that being a big decision that was going to be made. Did you like that? Or did you think it was hotter? No, I didn't know. I didn't know what to think. And I automatically assumed while I was on set, I automatically assumed when we were making bareback porn, everybody was HIV positive. That was my thing. Were they? Um they engaged in zero sorting they did which is basically guys who are negative you put with negative guys guys who are positive you put with positive guys guys that don't give a fuck you put with whoever you know if they found them uh, but you know this was made easier on us because a lot of times the guys got to choose their partners like we would send them pictures and oh yeah this guy's hot i'd love him you know like so we would ask beforehand. We wouldn't just throw two people in a room and say, okay, go at it. So that was made easier. Um, did I think it was hot? Not necessarily. I, you know, for the first two years of my, uh, of, of shooting porn, I didn't have sex. Cause my, think about it. My, my life was sex. I was shooting porn and editing porn and just why, and this is before, you know, what I consider now porn culture you can't get away from porn and i think it's detrimental but we won't find out for another 10 20 years i think but right now we're at a point where it's so saturated you think what's detrimental porn in general the amount of porn out there absolutely i think you know because it's one thing i remember and and i'm i'm guilty of it too kind of blowing my mind to hear you say that though because you contribute to the I contribute to the problem. 
No, I don't want. I don't want to use the word problem, but you contribute to the volume of it out there. Oh well, I, you know, I went. We went from. I went from working from for a studio that would make one movie a month to two movies a month, so distributing four movies a month, a scene every week, a scene every two or two scenes every week. So the demand is there. So do you feel guilty for what you do? I don't. I don't feel guilty for what I do because I. I believe that it's healthy to an extent. What I think is out of hand right now is the amount of people who think that they want to be in porn. I think everybody should dabble. You know, like everybody has a video on their iPhone or their phone fucking somebody or getting fucked or having get getting a blowjob or anything like that. Okay, maybe you don't, but but they're, recording they're, devices. Yeah. There are definitely people that do that. Um and I just I, I really do think that um you know we make one movie, we release it, and the next week that movie's forgotten about. So it's a very, very different time. You no, know, that's the whole that I I attribute that i was going to say blame but i don't think there's a blame to be assigned i attribute that to mtv the real world and when that when that show came out everybody wanted to be on camera yeah well that's my generation that's my generation and now just imagine that and then multiply it by god knows how many times in the 2000s the early 2000s where everything was a reality TV show to the fact that we had a reality TV show president. This is, you know, it's just, that's where it's getting, I think it'll slow down for a little bit, but it alarms me. The rate of people that I see on Twitter that I have no idea who they are. Good for them. I'm not, I I don't want to take anything away. I absolutely believe that studio porn is, is by way of the dinosaur in a way, because everybody, anybody can be their studio if they're good enough. Any performer can start doing their own stuff and taking everything into their own um, hands and, and handling it on their own. But maybe it's just, you know, like black Friday where it's a frenzy of stuff before eventually all the clutter declutters. And then you have a steady, rate of you know okay well this person's uh a porn star or a content creator or but but right now i just think it's it's like the wild west i can't wait for i'm happy for only fans and there's you know hot guys on twitter and only fans but i'm looking forward to the good old days of a prope- of a professional cameraman and good lighting you know we digress and and uh, it's an awesome conversation so far i i really want to get back into this um your your particular fetish right you've you've spoken to i see that you spoke to ray dalton right yep. and, he, and he quoted you in a panel yep. what did he quote you on a panel saying uh i was talking to ray dalton on bbrt about the pause neg dynamic um and if that comes up in his escorting or in his film career and he was very interested to hear my perspective as a, a guy who's still negative, um, but open to and more about bottoming for guys who are pause. 
but not considering myself. And this is a big not considering myself a bug chaser. Okay, that's that's. Thank you for uh, segueing into that bug chasing for people who don't know were were and are. Uh, I don't know how big it is now, but were people in the '90s and the early 2000s who would would actively search for a positive, an HIV positive man to uh, load them up, charge them up, as they would say it, uh, basically zero converting them? Zero convert. Zero convert um, from negative to positive. And it was, I remember the first time I heard that, uh, it was, it wasn't, and probably still is uh, controversial because of the fact that the LGBT community had gone so far and they've made so many strides. And then all of a sudden there's this community, let's not talk about them because, well, it just wouldn't, it just wouldn't, um, bode well, let's say for, for all the positive, um, press and uh, image that that was constructed over a long period of time but they are out there uh bug chasing and bug chasers i'm not quite sure how prevalent it is today um prevalent it is prevalent yeah i I, uh you know because i'm i try to i try to locate myself within that spectrum because i'm very pause friendly um Mm -hmm. But I, I'm happy to be neg, and I want to stay neg. I mean, I understand the risk. There's still risks with bareback sex, but uh, there, you know, when I when I'm doing my searches, there's guys who still want that. But there- I, I think bug chasing be- only became, and I, you know, I don't know, but I think bug chasing only became a thing after. HIV prevention became doable. Mm-hmm. You know, when mm-hmm. they knew that they could live with. But also, I remember watching a documentary called The Gift. And it was by a uh, a British uh, director, if I'm not mistaken. And they interviewed uh, a certain amount of uh, gay guys and some of them said that they would rather just get HIV so that they wouldn't have to worry about it so much because they worried about it so much in their lifetime that they were like, if I get it now, I don't have to worry anymore. I've talked with a lot of pause guys who admitted that one of the many emotions they felt was relief. Cause then they and I asked why, and they said, "Because now I can have sex the way I always wanted to." Hmm. Interesting. When you say you want to stay neg, um, do you actively? I know you're not a bug chaser, but do you actively go out and do you prefer a guy to be positive? I get the same vibe. You know what we were talking about when I talked about married guys. Mm-hmm. Um, pause guys understand breeding on a deeper level uh and i don't know so much about i mean obviously the risk although there's much less of that now but in the same way that a married guy knows when he fucks his cum is potent and can make babies 
pause guys, I feel from the pause tops I've been with have the same vibe as married guys do. Have you spoken to any pause guys that you've um, like, do you have, have you ever had this conversation with other than Ray Dalton, for instance? Yeah, I have, but it's a, you know, it's, it's a confusing conversation because uh, I, I got to be sensitive as a neg guy, not to fetishize or objectify, you know, I'm still dealing with a person. Um, and I'm and I'm not and I'm not going to objectify them so that they're just a thing, um, but I never thought about that. But yes, and well, I've been told that, like oh, wow. corrected, and I appreciated that. That was you know that was a, a learning experience for me because they said you know I feel like you're objectifying me. I went no 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 that's not where. I'm. So it's a hard you know it's it's such a gray area that. I don't want a pause guy to think, A, I want to get pause converted, or that um, I'm only turned on by him because he's pause. It's more like, uh, you know, that exchange of energy when you're being a bottom and you're, and that, that 30 seconds or 60 seconds where that top starts to fuck with intention. And that intention is he's getting ready to come. Um, that's that 60 seconds that counts. So all the rest was just foreplay. <laughs> For everybody, right? For him and me, you know, and that it's, and, and then when they finally come, like it's different with married guys and it's different with pause guys. Cause they, they want to come in you. You know, they don't want to pull out or they don't want to spray it on your face or, you know, if it's a woman on your tits. They want to breed. And that's what I like. You mentioned a spark. Yeah. And a life force being exchanged. Yeah. Where? You've thought about this. A lot. A lot. Do you think that happened in the 10 years time that you took a break from sex? I don't know. Uh, no, I don't. But I don't think that I could deny that it had an effect on my future thinking. But I don't think that it uh, formed this feeling in me. I, it, it's it's a pretty it's just in the past year or two that I've really come to terms with it and and I see uh, in porn there's a few tops that um, you know when you're when you're watching them fuck and all of their energy starts to focus you know it's kissing it's pinching it's touching but then it all starts to funnel into one spot. And then when they come, that's that spark that I'm talking about. Um, and when you're on the receiving end of that, that's it. That's it. Having recorded so many people have sex in front of me, you know, as as you know, a lot of a lot of porn is the gaze is on the top, and you'll know that by certain porn studios. 
not having the bottoms come most of the times. It's not about them. It's more about the top. There are times on set, depending on who the model is, if I've worked at them enough, I can absolutely tell when they're ready to go uh, without them saying anything. And that's always, that's, they make my life and my job so much easier. My, my pulse just went up thinking about that. Quite interesting. But yeah, that, this life force that you're talking about, I, I just, you know, it's energy. Definitely energy in the room. I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful that you uh, have been open and honest about this. I appreciate that. There's nothing more um, gratifying in a way. There's n I just like the idea that you are comfortable and everybody gets comfortable at different times or different points in their life. But the idea that you get there is very important in my opinion. You can get there at 20, you can get there at 80, you can get there at 60, as long as you get there. I do have to do the plug, you know. Uh, so if you guys like what we're doing, uh, the podcast is called Demons to Find Gay Porn. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. It's on every directory. We're on YouTube. And if you go on YouTube, click the like button, click the subscribe button, click the notification for the bell. Uh, we're on Xtube. We're on Pornhub basically anywhere and everywhere that will take and let me uh, post and share. Uh, so yeah, so uh, tune in. You'll get uh, conversations like this, conversations with porn stars, conversations about fetishes and kinks. And just in case you forgot, my name is IK Grande. And if you watch gay porn, I've definitely helped you get off. Cheers. <laughs>